Welcome back. Uh, today we have an incredibly, incredibly special show. Uh, I think it, this is one of my favorite shows that we will record for this for this program because today we are covering Enola Holmes. That is a new movie. It's on Netflix, and it's a fantastic opportunity for us to compare American English with British English. We're going to talk about different pronunciations, uh, the different sounds between American English and British English, and of course, analyze some structures inside the Vulture blog talking about the Enola Holmes movie, okay? I would like to start this video talking about the most prominent differences between American English and British English. So here we are in the universe of Sherlock Holmes. Just the name of Sherlock Holmes is a really good exercise for you to differentiate American English to British English, right? So let's analyze the difference between the name of the character in American English and in British English. So if you're American or you want to have an American pronunciation like mine, you will say Sherlock, right? That's the pronunciation, so Sherlock. So it's Sherlock Holmes, right? Can you see that? Repeat with me. Sherlock. So the R is very strong, so Sherlock. This is the name of the character, Sherlock Holmes, okay? When we watch the movie on Netflix, you will listen to the people calling him Sherlock, right? So this is a really important difference between American English and British English, the R sound, right? The R in American English is really, really pronounced, so Sherlock, that's the pronunciation. In British English, the R sound is just a vowel sound that was prolonged, so it's Sherlock, that's the British pronunciation. So you will hear throughout the whole movie people calling him Sherlock. So it's Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, so you put the two names together, Sherlock Holmes, right? So in some parts of the United Kingdom, people don't pronounce the H, the letter H. So it would be something like Sherlock Holmes. So it's Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, because the H sound disappears, right? So we have a very, very regional pronunciation according to the Sherlock Holmes name. Sherlock Holmes, American. Sherlock Holmes, British. Or Sherlock Holmes, if you are more regional. So here in the movie, uh, the focus of the movie is Sherlock Holmes's sister, Enola Holmes, right? And let's start talking about the most important phrase of this movie, which is, you are not alone, right? If you watch the movie, I will not spoil the movie for you, but this part is extremely important. This sentence is extremely important. The sentence is, you are not alone. Because Enola, if you just read it backwards, it is pronounced alone. And in the movie, they use this phrase all the time, you are not alone. Because this phrase has two interpretations. The first one is, you are not alone, which means you have company, right? So you are not alone. You have people beside you, have help from your family or your friends, so you are not alone. And this is the 
the not literal interpretation. And the second interpretation is the literal meaning of the sentence, you're not alone. You are not alone. You are Enola. So here you have two interpretations for this sentence. You're not alone, which means you have company, and you're not alone because your name is Enola. So this is a gameplay that they make with the character because it represents that she's not alone, right? She needs help from people. This is a very important and very interesting lesson that the guys created using Enola Holmes's name, okay? Now let's analyze some sentences and some reviews from Vulture, very respected blog about movies, and let's start with the title. Come with me. So we're starting this analysis, we're starting this class uh, watching the headline of this blog that says Enola Holmes is Millie Bobby Brown's show and she owns it. So here we have two interesting facts, two interesting points, which is Millie Bobby Brown's show. So here you have an apostrophe S that represents possession. Okay, so here the author of these critics is saying that the show belongs to Millie Bobby Brown. She is the owner, so she is the proprietor of this show. This is not a literal interpretation. She doesn't have the show, but this is her show. So it's Millie Bobby Brown's show. That's what the apostrophe S is referring to. The second and really, really interesting word here is the word to own. So the headline is, Enola Holmes is Millie Bobby Brown's show, and she owns it. She owns it. So what does that mean? When you own something, it's when you have the possession of that. So this is, for example, oh, I have a bakery, right? My family has a bakery. So I can say that we own the bakery. So we have that bakery. We are the proprietors of that bakery, right? In a not literal interpretation, to own something, it's when you really, really dominate that subject or that context. In the review, what the author is trying to say is that Millie Bobby Brown's performance and Millie Bobby Brown's acting was so brilliant that she dominated the whole movie. So she dominated this character. And that's why she's using, she owns it. So she dominated the movie, she dominated the character, okay? Continuing in the pronunciation differences. When you are practicing pronunciation, a very good recommendation and a suggestion that I would like to give to you is to practice using names of people. Especially when you have very different names or you're trying to adapt your, your accent to a certain region. So if I need to practice British English, uh, I can take some names and practice the sounds of a British person saying those names. And I can do the same with American, I can do the same with Australian, I can do the same with any kind of other region that I would like to practice my pronunciation towards, right? So here we have three really interesting names to practice, which is Enola, it's the first one, and for Latin countries, the, the name of the second character, it's a very, very good way to practice. Because especially in Brazil, people tend to put an extra vowel to the words that don't exist. For example, 
when we say Sherlock, especially in Brazil, you're going to hear another extra sound, would be something like Sherlocky, and that doesn't exist. So this is a really good way for you to practice Sherlock. That's the sound, so Sherlock, okay? Sherlock, this is American pronunciation. British, Sherlock, right? Sherlock. You can use the names to practice your pronunciation. The third character, which is for me the most interesting, is Mycroft. Because Mycroft is a really, really not Latin name. There is no person in Spain named Mycroft. So that's a very unusual and very different name and a very different sound that you can use to practice. So it's Mycroft. Mycroft, right? Mark Mycroft Holmes. And you can use this name to practice your pronunciation, right? So this is tip number one. Enola Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, Mycroft Holmes. Try to say these three names very fast, like Sherlock Holmes, like Sherlock Holmes, and you practice your pronunciation. The second paragraph of this blog has a incredible, incredible structure that it's extremely simple, but I don't see and I don't hear people using it frequently. So let's analyze and I'm going to explain to you afterwards. Uh, as Enola, Brown brings a supercharged exuberance to the part of a 16-year-old who blah 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 blah. What I want to talk to you guys about is this construction. She is a 16-year-old. So when you're talking about the age of someone, you're talking about how old they are, right? For example, I am 30. That's my age. I'm 30 years old, okay? Uh, it's really common in English for you to express the age of someone using this construction. For example, I have a daughter and my daughter is nine years old. So I have a daughter and my daughter is nine years old. So I can transform these two sentences in one, changing to I have a nine-year-old daughter. I have a nine-year-old daughter. So the construction nine-year-old is a characteristic for my daughter. I have a nine-year-old daughter. And in this part, the, the author is saying a 16-year-old, which means a person who is 16 years old of age, okay? So this construction, it sounds very simple, but we don't see people using it in Latin countries because it's a little bit different. Right? The logic of a Latin language is different. So here you have a very English construction. Oh, she is a 16-year-old detective. She is a 16-year-old detective. Further on the review, we have another word that is one of my favorite words in English personally, which is though. And that word brings a lot of trouble to people because it's not that common. Actually, it is very common, but I don't know why people like to complicate this topic. So the word though, it's a synonym of but, and but is a very common word, but, right? It's a contrast adverb, it's but. I like soccer, but I don't watch it very much. I like soccer, but I don't watch it. So we have opposite ideas, right? The word though, as you can see here, the word though is the same word as but it's just a different like a different option that you have so you can say that 
I like soccer. I don't watch it though, right? I like soccer. I don't watch it though. So we use this in the end of the sentence. I like soccer. I don't watch it though. Okay, so if you see this or if you hear that, the interpretation is the same interpretation as but. You're using the same idea, right? It's just a different option. So here we have again, though the narrative is merely window dressing. Again, though the narrative is merely window dressing. So it means that this is just a uh, it's just something to illustrate a point. It's a window dressing. It's something that you put just to call the attention, right? Just to illustrate something. In the same paragraph, we have two amazing words to analyze. So come with me to the Lorite Hart. Sorry. <laughs> no. So in the same paragraph, we have two words that we're going to take a look and analyze these two words. They're very different but they are in the same sentence, so let's analyze them together. The first one is lightheartedness. What does that mean and why we are talking about this word specifically? Because here we have discussed this before, but it's important. We have the suffix, so we have the, the termination ness. And when, when you have this termination, basically you're transforming an adjective right? You're transforming a characteristic into a noun, right? So, for example, we're going to use the same example. Happy is a characteristic. Happiness is the noun to this characteristic. So, I am happy or I feel happiness, right? I am happy. This is one word. I feel happiness. It's different. So, the termination ness transforms a characteristic into a noun. So, this word lightheartedness is used to represent a permanent situation or a permanent characteristic of people with a light heart. And light heart is very literal, so light is something without so much weight, it's light, right? Like your mayonnaise, you have a light mayonnaise, right? With less calorie, that's light. And a heart is your heart. People with a light heart are people that have a easy, not an easy life, but people that look at life with a light heart, with a light mindset, right? So this is the first one, light heartness. It's the permanent state of people with a light heart. The second word that I would like to highlight here is to pull off, right? To pull off. Uh, and let me give you a recommendation if you're watching it. So pay attention now. One of the biggest struggles of students when they're learning English is regarding phrasal verbs. Everyone that I have contact with, they, they ask me, man, how can I learn phrasal verbs? Is there a list or is there, uh, is there a secret to learn phrasal verbs? And my answer is very, very clear. No, it doesn't exist. There is no magic into learning phrasal verbs because they're just words. Phrasal verbs are words. That's what you have to put in your mind. Phrasal verbs are words, nothing more than that. Uh, if you treat them as something special, you will always have difficulty because they're not special, they're just words. So put phrasal verbs in the same category as dog, for example. Dog is a word, 
phrasal verbs are words. So they're not special, okay? So the same way you learn new words, it will be the same way that you learn phrasal verbs. You will learn phrasal verbs watching movies, listening to music, reading something. This is natural and it's a progressive situation. It's not something that you're gonna take a list and memorize all the phrasal verbs that exist because that is insane, okay? So phrasal verbs, it's progressive. Take your time and just go with the flow, okay? And here, to finish, I would like to explain to pull off. And to pull off, it's when you are capable of doing something. This is to pull off. So if you are a magician and you want to do a trick, like a different trick, you will pull this trick off. So to pull off is to be capable to do something. Okay, so this is the application of to pull off. So guys, pay attention to this, practice your English, try to make it as natural as possible, okay? My recommendation for you, if you are interested in British English, this is a fantastic lesson. Watch Enola Holmes on Netflix, and if you have doubts, I'll see you in the live lessons. Take care, little people, see you next time.